<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Another exhilarating week of politics. This is Take Two. I'm Heidi Hatch with KUTV2 News, joined by Mara Carabello. Her brother, yes, we're spicing it up Woo. in here, Ken Carabello of the I got, last it, name. It, there's nepotism, nepotism in Take Two today. And mm-hmm. Greg Hughes, who would you like to bring next week? Just I'm going to have to get some, we can't your bring wife? my sister. She'll swear the whole way through. She won't, okay. it's not even, it wouldn't even be good. That sounds fun. I've right. heard your wife is spicy. Maybe you can bring her. She is. That's actually, a good idea. Queen, Krista, she would that's actually be good. That's a good idea. Good. Yeah, but I think I actually, we could find some areas of agreement. I was just gonna say that's not on my side. That's yeah. still that's still not on my yeah. side. She'd be sure so, up on uh, me too. We're doing this when there's some kind of family fun going on at the Carabello house. We have that's a graduation right. this week, so family's in town. Ken, you're from uh, Denver. Do you have beliefs outside what your sister says, or are you your own man is what we're wondering? I'm my own man, first <laughs> okay, of all. Good. I mean, listen, we were raised Democrats in Utah. Yeah. Right? So that's that's right. that's, you that's know, makes that. you wild. But Mara and I do not agree on everything. I think Thank I will goodness. have probably different takes. I do want to start on a positive note. I am here to announce my candidacy oh. uh, for the president of the oh. Take Two fan club oh, wow. outside the state oh, of Utah. Hey. Oh. So, um, Thanks for the second that one. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah. I, I'm I a regular consumer of this podcast. I really enjoy it. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks. And you're going to be weighing in today on all the important issues. Last year, we went heavy into the legislative session and sometimes the stuff that kind of drags your brain down mm-hmm. into the muck. We're going to go surface-level awfulness from the national stage. Oh, excellent. Yeah, so, and when I say surface-level, it's not going to be Well, they don't go any deeper than that anyway, so it's easy to stay on that level. We've got some, speaking of them not going any deeper, you sound a lot like the governor. Did you uh, see that he had to apologize today because he called, yeah, he called congressional leaders imbeciles, and he was talking about the debt ceiling, which we're going to talk about, and I think that a lot of people agree with his general sentiment but then he did say he was sorry for specifically calling them imbeciles because I want to point nice. out if we're going there, I want to point out that he finished that sentence with, I think that he said they don't do crap. And I really just feel like Utah politicians need to get rid of the word crap more uh, than I, they need to get rid of the word imbecile. I would rather hear it's a swear a bear word. than the word crap. Okay. Yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to so advocate for swearing before you start saying if you're making public crap. statements. I, yeah, so I think it's here's the dumbest what he said. word. Um, let's see. I'm going to read you his tweet because I shouldn't paraphrase when people apologize. He says, I just want to apologize for using a derogatory term yesterday to describe members of Congress over the past 40 years. So this was a lot of people for failing to fix the border and immigration crisis as someone who ties my. So this was not the debt sling. My apologies. This no, was this see. This was, is why we're reading this. This was because of the border. As someone who tries to hold myself to a higher standard of dignity and civility, I should do better. But I stand by this part. Congress has abdicated their responsibility around immigration for the past 40 years. They've punted. All they want to do is get reelected by pointing fingers at each other, and they divide us. They do it on purpose, and it's embarrassing. Good for him. It really is the truth. Both sides have campaigned on this issue for since I can remember, and they're failing. Yeah, we haven't. I, you know fixed what, though, it. I, I would say that I think that you don't have to go back. Well, probably a long time, but for me, not that long ago. 
there are, I remember the Tip O'Neill, Ronald Reagan negotiations. And, and it wasn't one side's going to win everything and the other side's getting nothing. They, they negotiated. They, they've had this. Congress has done this with presidents before of all, both parties. It's so, it's so much more polarized now than it was. I wouldn't lump in 40 years ago Congress with today's Congress. I think this one's even worse. I think it has gotten more polarized. So I want to ask you specifically about Title 42. It expired as we met last week on Thursday. And I think there was a lot of people wondering exactly what was going to happen. I think there was a thought process that maybe more people were going to come across the border. But it seems like in the last week that those numbers have actually gone down, which is an interesting surprise. So we're watching this one closely. It obviously, I mean, this is an effects, and who knows, maybe people are just kind of waiting and watching Mara to see what happens. Because I'm guessing people who are making the long journey across the border might want to know what's going to happen if a rule changes. Uh, is something good going to happen as we revert back to the prior law now that we get rid of this pandemic rule? Or is this business as usual, meaning that there's no business? So, I mean, I think it was smart to set expectations that we're all pretty amazed that the last couple of weeks were just bad, not horrible. So I guess good for that. But to the prior conversation, nothing has changed to tackling the underlying problem with immigration. And I think what's frustrating for me is how big the Venn diagram is in practice on immigration, and that makes it more offensive that it's they're taking the corners and making it a political issue. Because I do think immigration, if Greg and I were locked in a room and forced to work on policy, the policy <laughs> part is not that hard. It really is Most people agree to most of the terms, which means it's over-politicized. The one thing I don't think has been given enough attention, it's, a, it's, my, it's my silver lining, mm. Finally, and good for them, they developed an app, right? Like, how long did that take us to get to an app? Seriously. I was like, that felt like a breakthrough moment where you could go online and submit your things via phone. And everyone's got a phone. Even if you don't have a home these days, you still have a phone. And all the border states were offering, or cities were offering chargers. So listeners Mm -hmm. need to know that Heidi does a phenomenal job in preparing us for the issues that we're going to speak about. And you even provided a chart. buttering me up. No, I'm saying this because I don't think this chart represents half of the the illegal entry into this country. In fact, this is saying if the the year-to-date of 2023 is September of 2023, then we're halfway through this year. And I'm staring at numbers like 1.8 million to last year's fit entire year of 2.7. I don't think that number is smaller. I, so in other words, when I look at these, the data, and you look at the Trump years where those numbers were 500,000, 600,000, uh, in, in 2019 it was 1.1 million, and then you get to, uh, you get last year was 2.7 million. Right now we're at 1.8 million total enforcement actions, but we still have six months left in this year, right? I'm looking at this. I don't see it half. None of the the data you provided us doesn't say that it's less right now. So how do we solve the problem? And (laughs) I'm just saying, because you're not the only one to say that. Everyone's saying it's less. I'm not seeing it as less as I look at the data. All right. Do you have a problem? You you can tell us. I'll tell you, this is, this is, I completely agree with the sentiment of the, you know, ineptitude of Congress. Here's my balls and strikes on this immigration yeah. issue. Sorry, Greg, I come down against you on this first one. This is the Republicans' fault, in my view, because both sides, of course, are, are unrealistic on their stance and starting on negotiating on an immigration solution, which I agree is, is completely achievable. But the Republicans are holding back because it's such a winning 
politics for them, right? They love it at election no, time. No, I don't. Oh, I feel they're like just I don't, fearful I don't as can be. And so, since they hold that, they're the ones that could put out the, they're the ones that could put out the proposal that the Democrats would have to agree to, on asylum. Everyone, we need strong borders. The Democrats are unrealistic on what they're putting forward. I completely agree. Yeah. But if the if the Republicans would put forward a reasonable immigration policy on everything from security to how many people we let through to what we do with the dreamers, all of that, the Republicans could put forward those policies and it could be agreed to and move forward, but they don't want to because it's a winning political issue. I will push back on that. Ken, your, your, your company, we have a company here, so I don't want to get, I'll just say this. They've only been in the majority in the house since this last election. So the Democrats had the house and the Senate and the, and the administration, the president that, so you saw that the the crossings went up so much higher during that time when they had control and could have done something. You're not addressing the issue. They yeah, still they, could have they put could forward have done the proposal. That. They could have put okay, forward I'll, the proposal give you and that, they would have won but the bills. I, they didn't want to do it look, because they need them for their elections. So I'll give you all of that, but if we wanted to see that get better, we didn't even see it stay status quo. We saw it got, get so much worse. We had these New York Times reporters saying that the border control were using whips when they were the you know, the reins of their horses. I mean, there's, there's just such a <laughs> That's crazy, a crazy thing going on. I'm, yeah. no, I'm just saying there's a there's just such chaos. It's just such yeah. chaos there. And, yes, I think you're right. We, I think that, that nobody is really – Congress has to – this is a congressional issue, and both sides have to come up with a, a plan. But who's on the clock right now? It, yeah. it doesn't have to look the way it looks right now. You're and doing that's, the same that's thing the, right now. The, You're using it as a political no, issue. No, if, if the Republicans had, if the Republicans had the majority it. in the House and the Senate and the presidency, then they're on the clock and it's their their fault because they should have the numbers to be Which able to do exactly it. Which is exactly what Republicans are doing all the time. They just want it to be the Democrats' fault when you could put forward policies that would resolve it, it's, but you don't want to. i got to tell you, the left is this. in charge mm-hmm. of the environment. The left could put forward policies that would resolve the environment, but they don't want to because they love it as this big scare tactic for that side. So I condemn the left for the same tactics, but for, I for think immigration, really good at that's on the Republican Party. Do you know what might solve this is that I think So you don't even have time, to say anything anymore. Yeah, you just, you just, you've got I'm, a brother that has I'm your relaxing. back the whole time. I wish time. I would have brought a beverage. This is just, this is un. So look here's at the this. interesting thing. I think that for a long time, <laughs> we've just let the Texas, the Arizona, California right. deal with these problems. And I think that other states that are starting to deal with these problems are getting frustrated. And I think maybe taking the entire country to figure out that we need to solve this might be it. Because you see New York City right now, there's a lot of complaints coming out of there where they say half their hotel rooms are filled with people that aren't paying for them, that they're putting up um, immigrants there, which obviously could start getting jobs and like filling you know a purpose in New York City. But it's not bringing in the dollars they want because it's not uh, people who are there for tourism and other things. So... You know, maybe some of these states that are starting to feel the stretch and the burn of, you know, these issues. Look, I, I'll say, I'll actually make Ken's point done. from a from the right. <laughs> uh, it is untenable what's happening. You have, if you're a, a sanctuary state or city, you can't actually a- absorb the amount of people that are coming there, the hotels that you're trying to accommodate for people, all that's going on. Take the, the border cities that some of the people coming across outnumber the actual population of those small towns. But none of it is working. It doesn't work whether it's a blue blue state, blue city, or a red state, red city. It's it's failing. And I, I do. I think that nobody wants to spend the political capital because it's hard. It's going to offend people on all sides, no matter because if you're going to come to a solution, you got to find common ground. 
That means inherently you're going to make someone mad. But my gosh, doing nothing is just compounding on itself in terms of the chaos and the human drug trafficking and human trafficking. When was that okay? That should be neutral ground for all of us. We should all hate that. I'll tell you this. The moves by Florida and Texas of busting these people in, as horrible as that was, brilliant. I mean, you took the pain I think it's empathy, isn't it? It, Yes. It caused empathy. I tell you, it was a lot easier from inland to just kind of shrug it off. Correct. And when you spread that pain around, uh, it caused some, it caused some, uh, some deep. Ken, where have you been my whole life? Thank you very much, <laughs> well, sir. While we're talking about Florida, uh, DeSantis is expected to announce next week what we already know that he's going to run for president. Random thought here, too. Uh, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, his team filed paperwork today, but I think he's officially announcing on Monday. So we've got more candidates in the race, but I want to talk about Florida because DeSantis has definitely been doing things that have been getting people talking. He was uh, reelected by massive numbers, even in uh, Miami, where we're talking about a Democratic city. But since he's been reelected, he's gone very red meat and likely because he is going to be running for president. So Greg, you first on this. Yeah. Uh, he may have cost his state a billion-dollar deal with Disney. Was this a smart move? Because I think he's making some people in his state angry, but maybe uh, winning points overall with GOP voters who are liking yeah. the war against woke. So my take is I don't think he's changed at all. I think he's running headlong into a presidential campaign where there are people even on the Republican side now that are going to start to criticize the decisions he's making. The irony being even Trump somehow is now defending or saying that he's being too rough on, on Disney. I think this, I think that an idea of a, of a corporation being self-governing and then, I mean, which doesn't, shouldn't happen and I think is unacceptable, but it's been the case since they arrived in Florida. But when they're also, they get to be a self, they don't live in a county, they don't have, they're no political subdivision, they get to do all on their own. And then they start leaning in on political issues. I, I think that DeSantis was right to do what he's done. I think that it's easy to say, well, there was a billion dollar uh, development that was coming in. We're not going to do it now. Well, what's you're, you're shutting down this. You opened on March 20, uh, 2022, this, this, I don't know, Star Wars hotel. Okay. Yeah. They're shutting that down after just 14 months. I think what's really going on with Disney is they're hemorrhaging money on all fronts. And if they can help in a presidential campaign and say that DeSantis has been the bad guy, I think that's what they're doing. I don't think this has anything to do with what DeSantis has done other than to send the message, you be the business, and you attract people, tourism, everything else, make movies, do that, and let the public policy be discussed by the, the, the public servants and the public who elect them. And let's keep the corporations and the public and their public servants separate. That's what so he's done. Are they I don't think it's any different. Because I feel like we're all just yeah, like the, giving them all the dollars we have. We're like, well, here. I mean, so's Mm-mm. tech, right? Most of those papers. But here's the thing: Greg is in the minority of Republicans. So one thing that's really no, interesting about the DeSantis point of view is one: I think his honeymoon lasted a lot less than I thought it would. He is surprisingly hitting some limits when he is selling red meat and he's selling it pretty well. But what's interesting is if you look at the polling on the issue of Disney and then corporations and free market, most Republicans are really struggling to reconcile a a conservative red meat Republican who's wanting to take the Trump lane and also wanting to politicize the free market. And Disney is too big of a behemoth. They weren't self-governing. That's very dramatic. Democrats all of a sudden love big business and don't want to tax. We flipped completely. It's bizarre old world. They have completely flipped them, but it is a losing issue right now for DeSantis. you got Nikki Haley from the Republicans that wants Disney to move to her state, her 
state of what South Carolina. You've got Mike Pence, who's really offended by it. But everybody else who's been Craig, upset that the, that the political leanings of, of Disney, of all places, in the space the that they're occupying, have does not have left like people this position. upset. The rank and no. file thinks no the interference go to is South wrong. Carolina, though. But here's the other thing: <laughs> nobody's not going to go to Disney because of DeSantis, and I think he's finding that this is a losing issue for him. But I think we way. have to say the principle. I don't know. I don't read the polling, so I don't know. But nobody's saying this, and I, I'm not, I listen. I got lots of concerns about. First of all, I'm a businessman, right? So, right. so I don't think Disney is making any actual spending cuts. I mean, like, if I were in Disney's space, I'd be portraying business decisions I'm making anyway in a political format. Yeah. You know They're what I mean? not Along working against their self-interest. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, but having said that, I've got concerns about big corporations running this country. I do too. And having said that too, my bottom line on this whole issue is when DeSantis went against Disney, you're going against the core principle of our country on, on free speech. And that is the bottom line issue on this for me. When government starts to punish, in this case a corporation, for free speech, you're just striking the wrong chord at the base of our principles. You don't do that, government. You don't pick out a, a company because you don't like their politics and you target them. That's wrong. I, I, you just I don't actually do agree that. with that sentiment. The one thing that it's not a small detail, Mara, that they're self they're a corporate self governing entity because that's the only thing that that DeSantis is saying he's got a problem with. He doesn't think they should do their own inspections, their own law enforcement. That's their own, not they what don't he's pay any taxes. Greg. He's saying, you know what, you're he, going to be you're going to pay taxes like every other corporation. But why then did he did not object to their structure? He circumvented it. He put his guys in the structure. So if I, he had a problem with the base structure, the he, taxation structure. We're going to get too, get too wonkish on political subdivisions, but you know, a special service district yeah, is how you get it away from a corporation. Know, Greg, that's, how he would, that's how he did it. He did not change the district structure. Well, we're talking about what he did, whether yeah. he can do it or not. What he said and why he did it is because they're a woke corporation. It, you can't it, well, go it do did, something to somebody out because you don't like their aggressive. politics if you're government. Right. And you can't Disney do that. is a weird fight to pick because I lived in Orlando, and if you live in Orlando, there's no downtown. Like, there's a downtown yeah. Salt Lake City that's the heart of Utah. If you want the heart of Florida, and especially Central Florida, it's Disney, downtown Disney. That's where the money came from. That's where people went to work, and that's where they commuted. And People have a personal connection, but, but, too. It's not, get, a, it's not a corporate brand for them. It's a place they me, go enjoy I'm going to attempt to compare it. it the, 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 the scale of it's a little different. Uh, Delta Airlines, one of its major hubs is Atlanta. Okay? Mm -hmm. when, uh, when Delta decided that they were no longer going to honor the NRA members' discounts okay. at Delta... The, the legislature in Georgia said, you know, we give you a tax rebate on your, on your jet fuel. We do this as a way to, as a corporate citizen, we, we don't make you pay the full tax on it. If you're going to weigh in and now you're going you're gonna to take that away, we, we probably are going to go ahead and make you pay the full, full rate for the, the jet fuel. Right or wrong, you know, th there is an accommodation that a corporation is asking a state to give them or to make available for them for their profit. Is it wrong if they say, well, look, if you're not if you're gonna be a corporate citizen that's hostile towards us, why are we giving you these benefits, these tax benefits, these shelters? I, I don't know that it's as easy as you're saying that it's 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 a hostile anti-public uh, speech movement if the if the if the state is giving them accommodations that you and I don't get. Well right it speaks now. to the way you do it though. That, right. Yeah. And that could be DeSantis's yeah. problem, right? The guy's mannerisms 
don't translate well, right? He's, right. he's harsh. He went out and said, you're a woke corporation. I'm coming after you or whatever. Yeah. Like, there's a way to do things that, that translates well, and there's a way to do things that doesn't. But that's too, you know, he went to D.C. a month ago and uh, to go do a, a, a victory round with the congressional support he's getting. And he saw that half the Florida delegates said, no, we're staying with Trump. We're not interested in you. And the number one reason was, in fact, his style. It was not... Everyone's aligned. <laughs> is that the surreal? Of that it is sort his, of wait. wild. It's going to be interesting well, to watch. Trump style Trump sure. was was less More. palatable than Trump's. Amen. Okay. That is crazy. <laughs> I think it's insane. Who am I to? All right. Yeah, but Trump, Trump is charismatic. Trump. Thank is, you. I you actually do think like you're the guy. Right. I don't no, have you, that problem. No. <laughs> when, when you see him in person, like, you, you see DeSantis when he walks into rooms. I mean, the guy. He looks agitated, like, from the very beginning There is sometimes. something about Trump where I've heard lots of people, not just Greg, but other people who've met Trump, that there's, I don't know how to explain he's it, charismatic. but somebody, he's charismatic. And I yeah. think that he draws people in. And I've heard from multiple people who've met him that he has a memory like crazy. He can remember little details about you if he's met you and he connects with people. Yeah. So he might Unless have... he met you in a department store. Yes. Oh, addressing him 20 go. years ago. I will tell you that you. he is amazing. Other than that, he's dialed in. He's an inquisitive human being in that he is naturally curious about the people he meets. And so he you, will ask questions. To Heidi's point, though, you, you do you'll meet hear, a million people in this you town hear and they people will ask you questions. Clinton, or my, or who have met Obama, who have met Trump, yeah. who say, no, nah, there's something special. They there's have something a secret charismatic yeah. about these leaders that they're well, very they say that about Trump. Another way to say I this is DeSantis is going to have a harder time. I love time. when your brother's here. This is a new mark. I, I know. love it. You're such a good influence, Ken. DeSantis is going to have a harder time being a con man, being a fraudster. Yeah, which, <laughs> <laughs> we were getting along so well. We were on a path together. We were just this is this is just going back and forth too much. I would prefer no right. comment. Shoot. Hey, we have to talk some other issues. Yeah. But while okay. we're talking about people and elections, real quick, Mitt Romney still hasn't said. And if I were to choose for him to run on an issue that he could, you know, maybe bring both sides in, we were just talking about the border. And of all the people I think of, he might be the person who could a if he's done running do it as his, you know, farewell to arms, fix the border, or he could run on the issue that he'll do it because as much as people sort of hate him on both sides, he also has people... Yeah. The border would be a great issue him. for him. Corporations yeah. love the free he labor. Hits, he'll, he'll never he do it. He hits China well, out of the park. <laughs> he is he is the, uh, the best person on China right now. Yeah. Well, I'll He's give him that, and I'll also give him that he was talking uh, Russia before people... Before Russia was... Well, cool. remember, remember when he's debating Obama and uh, Obama's response was the 80s called, they want their issue back? Can yeah, anyone yeah. say that, that, that Russia's not and what hasn't always well, been a unwinding, presence that we should pay attention unwinding to? Trump's right. love of Russia is taking a bit of time. His love of Russia. But There's a report I want to familiarize yourself report? with <laughs> when it comes to Russia. You might want to read. All right, let's, or it's highlights. Let's I'll give you highlights. Let's talk about the Durham report for just a minute because a lot of the news outlets have said it was a nothing burger, let's move on. Uh, when I look at it, it's not a nothing burger. I think it brings up a lot of questions about the FBI, uh, what power they have, um, how much sway they can have in our elections. Mara, should we be concerned about the FBI after we look at this report, that they were looking into something that admittedly now we know in hindsight that they really knew 
wasn't anything. So this was a legit special counsel, right? Yes. I mean, he's 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 legit. Thank you, thank, thank you, you so much. Welcome. Four presidents, this man's worked for Republicans and Democrats the same. Or I, he's been. Appointed I like to instead of just agreeing, efforts. you spend your time. I love it. Making my thank so you. he's a legit special counsel, and he does come back pretty directly on the FBI. Yeah. And the challenge for the FBI that they continue to have, and it seems like it's getting worse, and it's. It's a huge problem, which is now, do we trust them? And do we trust that they're making decisions? Now, we know they're making hard decisions, and we know they're doing some stuff. Both sides, this is not a partisan statement. They're in the intelligence business. But it's what indicts them right now, whether you're a Republican, Independent, or Democrat, is this is chiseling away the question of do we trust them? And certainly what he comes at is to say... I don't know that you should. I don't know that they acted above board. Now it also gives Donald Trump, who I believe we will continue to see him being convicted of doing bad things, but you've just given them him this golden ticket to continue to be the victim. Oh, yeah, he'll and continue on to this. be the object of conspiracy theory. So I do think it's worrying to me that yet another governmental entity is losing the perception of being a trusted Did Trump entity. get screwed, though, in the election? That's not very nice language. But, I no, mean, was this unfair not. that <laughs> no, he this was happening? And, and it wasn't worth him uh, trying to attempt a coup because that's not how we operate in America. And that's the thing is people are going to say, oh, so therefore he is, is you know, a delightful, pure no. leader. And Mara's referencing January 6th. And I should note that there's hearings going on on January 6th right now. And there's a refusal at this point to release any of the tapes because there's current concern from the intelligence agencies that they had too many undercover people there that people would know about, which brings up questions, too. If they had hundreds of people there, why did this even happen? But we won't fight about that so, today. So I would just say this. If you if you were to take the, the president and switch parties or people, would we and we heard all the same facts, would we be okay with so this? So Trump's I, I a don't Democrat think, now? Well, I'm just saying, if Biden, if you had all this information that they were targeting Biden... Um, and they, they, they started a, an investigation without any predicate of any crime having You mean been Joe done. Biden, not Hunter Biden, just to be clear on I'm targeting a Biden. No, no, I'm saying a president. Oh, okay. I'm talking yeah. if you take the president and you make him a, a Democrat instead of a Republican, and all the other details stayed the same, I think there, I think people would, we're so partisan as a society now, they, people would be outraged. The reason the media doesn't say anything is that they were complicit in this. They repeated this back verbatim as if it were all true. They're not giving the Pulitzers back. I don't want them to give the Pulitzers back because I think it's lost credibility. In that report, it even says that the, that the British intelligence agency kept saying, we don't see this. We don't want to be involved. We, we're not part of this. I do think that this interrupted this president's presidency significantly with the Mueller's investigation. And to know that there wasn't uh, an underlying crime that they had any evidence towards, and then he points out in there that the way they approached Hillary Clinton, where there were some things and they were very hypersensitive about the politics or how it would appear or how it would undermine what they were doing. They stayed away from certain investigations. I think what, what Durham was trying to say is you're not applying the same tools, analytics, decision tree uh, between Trump and you were with Hillary, and that's he a big, huge problem. He didn't make that comparison. Yes, I, I know that's a political reading of it, but what he did do is indict the FBI. So yes, like, he did. I don't well, think you... I won't you get into the details, but I, as long as the takeaway is the supposing same. Supposing your, your victimization of Republicans, I think, is all politics. Before Ken he gives us his No, it's just, it's just... It should be just neutral ground. The media right. should be appalled that the intelligence agency of this country would be weighing in on like they were. I mean, I just think it's... I think it's 
Terrible. Here's another random FBI fact today. And I should note before I read this that there are a lot of good men and women who work in the right. FBI, the CIA, who are doing good, honest work and doing um, work that our country needs done. But there obviously are some issues out there. The Washington Post was reporting his breaking news a couple hours ago that a newly unsealed court document shows the FBI wrongly searched a vast digital database for information about U.S. citizens and others more than 278,000 times in 2020 and early 2021. So the FBI has some bad behavior problems. Should we read anything that with the Durham report and the rest of this? Well, I, I you know, I this is the saddest, most discouraging uh, news for me, right? I just hate that it's that it's infiltrated in this, right? Because the politics and the parties, I'm I'm comfortable disliking them and them <laughs> being full of shenanigans. Yeah. Shenanigans. I thought that word was going to be different. I did too. Yeah. I thought that was going to Shena- be a, a to shorter S word. Yes. Shenanigans. The syllables were very good. That it's that it's in the FBI is just disheartening. Yeah. Right. And I just think that as citizens, we just need to be united in expecting better. Right from the FBI. Right. That's one thing that we should all just be united about. And let's not let's 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 unite about expecting really good behavior from our institutions, our government institutions, and that if they misbehave, we call it out, we clean it up, and we we do our best to not make politics out of that, get them straight, get them clean so that they are fair players, and then we'll let our shenanigans occur in our politics. I don't know when that ended because I never read when I was – I wasn't – Young, I was. I'm not old enough to have lived through the Pentagon Papers, but I read about them when I was in school. Nothing about that that I say. Well, that's okay. Um, when I found out that the FBI was uh, surveilling Martin Luther King to the degree that they were, I never went. Oh well, you know, he's a bit of a troublemaker. That's probably good. No, I, I was offended by it, and it, it, it yeah. didn't seem like it was a partisan, you know, opinion or conclusion that that's wrong. And I just want to get back to that's not their job. It is just not, and, and to see that, what looks like in terms of that investigation, they are leaning in. Yeah. I, I, I just think it's, it's just the cynicism is going to grow. Then if you believe the whistleblower that says that they're looking at these Roman Catholic churches and they're trying to monitor them for terrorists, get that, get your head around that idea. So you're not going to go after this or you do, you're doing things here, but you're going to go find all those terrorists that are Catholics at church. That's your big problem. That's your domestic terrorism. They're you're looking worried for about? the Carabellos on oh the Sabbath like, oh day. Oh my gosh! I know they've called us in I several can't times. Stand <laughs> it. Yeah, are you? Are you informing? That's, in a, that's a need to know. Okay. That's a need oh, to, to know. know. Okay, we don't got have it. to kill you. I do think we need to expect more. And where I expect more at this point is that we're not going to get to June first and dealing with the debt ceiling still. Then, so President Biden is currently in Asia. He's there for the G seven, and he had. Um, I think more than a week of appointments scheduled beyond the G7, doing uh, the work that we need to do to have good relationships with other countries, that we're dealing with China, which is a big problem. But he has to come home early because I think this is part of, partially his fault. We could have been negotiating sooner. I do not know why we wait for budgets and debt ceilings to literally come to the cliff where we're feeling like we're choking and hanging and clawing our way back up, and we're like, okay, fine, we'll make a deal. So here's where we're at. Uh, the House did pass a deal that they like last month. It has no chance in the Senate right now. Uh, There have been meetings, President Biden and House leadership sitting down. We know that there's discussions going on 
is there actually something that's going to be solved? Who's been following this closely? Are we going to have to use the 14th Amendment? Does that have anything to do with a budget? Greg Hughes, you're first. Thank you for raising your hand. You, you asked if someone's been following this. Oh, okay, I, I find that that it was, a, I think there was a, a, a strong belief, and I would have probably been on this side too, that it would have been very difficult for the House with only a five per Republican majority in the House of Representatives to come up with an agreement that they could get all the votes for. Because there's just so many different opinions. You know, perfect can be the enemy of good at any point, especially when you have a margin of error of only five members. But they did. Where they came was they said, and they're really not even talking cuts. They're saying, we're going to grow domestic spending only by 1% a year. They want to put a, a work requirement to, to social services. They want to have a time period. This is something that was a, a Newt Gingrich, uh, Bill Clinton, reform where they had a time set that were you know for these services and then we've gotten away from that and some of these are the are the very increases in spending that were passed in December during the lame duck you know Pelosi after the after the November election none of those so-called cuts I think should be as draconian as you can't come to the table and have a negotiation and and so I feel I feel like the plan the Republicans were able to get the votes for is is very responsible but the other issue I have is why do we have a, a ceiling, a debt ceiling, if every time you run into it, you just automatically clean raise, don't have any negotiations, don't talk about how you got there, just raise it again, then just get rid of it. I have ceiling. an answer. Here's the problem. Obviously, we, have a, we, we raise the debt ceiling because of the catastrophic effects, right? So we're all in agreement that that's the problem. And we, we have this negotiation right now because, of course, incompetent Congress can't deal with this on a budget negotiation basis, right? right. So they all wait for this axe hanging over our throat. But then Republicans come forward and they want to do this uh, perfectly reasonable negotiation thing. Oh, that, he's using air quotes, so this is not perfectly reasonable in your mind. <laughs> here's the problem the with this. There's some cynicism in that perfectly there reasonable. Is. Listen, I don't like the debt, right? Yeah. But the problem with this is you're only negotiating one portion Aspect of the budget. Of a, of a portion. Yeah. yeah, you're only negotiating the spending side of things. And I want the debt to go down as well. And here, as I look at history, right, spend, Republican Congresses spend less than Democratic Congresses, right? But overall, Republican administrations increase the debt more. Clear. That's just yeah, clear well, yeah, in history. The spending's been going up for a long time. No, no, you're, you're rephrasing what I'm saying. Yeah. Republican administrations increase the debt, right? Okay. And that's oh, because the, the tax, the tax. Right. The tax right. side doesn't yep. get addressed. Right. Yeah. So we're only dealing with the yeah. spending in this negotiation. And Republicans know this. We're not dealing with the revenue side. So yeah. they're making a perfectly reasonable deal right now, but you're not dealing with the entire situation. So I take it sincere. Well, is some better than all, though, to at least deal with one piece of the pie? And then if, we if you like this? the fact that Republican administrations have increased the debt for the last but, 40 but, years, this just may not solve it, is what but, I'm saying. Ken, I actually, I love what you're saying. The problem is we are speaking about this in more specificity than anybody in that town is right now. If you can't have the administration across the table from you to even have this, and they've only even recently even agreed to assign some people to talk to Speaker McCarthy about this. Where do you go? I mean, they, they have a plan. Okay, if it's not the right plan, you, you got to negotiate something different. You have to have but people Greg, there to the do it. But point of that they, is... They just want a clean raise. They no. don't want to have any debate. They just want to say, don't. You can't hold us hostage with any conditions. We want a clean debt ceiling raise. And I'm like, 
No, that's when would you ever get to the it? Republicans want to have this conversation when then it's a political conversation, right? I mean, they, if you're having this at the heels of when our Secretary of the Treasury says, hey, we're about to default, then this is just a political tactic. Now, here's the good news and bad news for me. It is so like clockwork now that we're in scene four, act 12, where if you're looking to the person who matters, which is McCarthy, he came out and said, yeah, we're almost there. Both he and Biden lifted their flags and said, oh, for the first time, we're optimistic. So what we know is it'll take four to seven days to pass this through, both bodies. Mm -hmm. um, Which is still not a lot of time to debate and understand. No, but that's my point. This is all theater. This is all kabuki at this point. Kabuki And so so you've seen the indication that they've decided to move into the final act because they both come out of these hard-fought debates. They'll both have these statements to say going into the 24 presidential. And again, we're left with a theme that we've had all all day, which is y'all aren't doing anything. And, and you know, to add to the to how stupid this play is, this was actually supposed to happen before the election. That's but right. They, but they punted it till after the election. But we're still in a time that you can't do it or it's, it's still brinkmanship and you can't debate or can't negotiate, right. whatever. So there's never a time where they want to actually have these hard no, conversations. No, because we're almost in we're an a election. constant election yes. cycle right yes, now. Yes, I know. So I, they, they right. moved it past the 24 elections or 22 elections because they don't want to be part of that that you know, campaign narrative. So here we are. Well, get it done. I mean, but this is Heidi's, happening in every state. Every Heidi's state has Republicans and Democrats issue. on the state level negotiating. And to Heidi's point about Romney, and I can't name a person. So I'm, I'm looking just gonna at like, your brother because I want to make a point to him because you just don't hear me. Okay, you know good, that, good yeah. luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Best of luck with I'm that. I'm really <laughs> trying over here because I think yeah, I have someone who could actually, he's you, listening. You haven't made eye contact with me today and it hurts. He, he, so, I feel like he listens. Okay, It makes good. me happy. He's a therapist. He makes you feel a lot of things. <laughs> it's a professional, you know, bloom right off the rose. I thought he was yeah. actually interested. You're saying yeah. this is a professional he's got obligation? You right where he wants you oh. right now. I don't, you know. I was loving this. How does this. it make you feel? I, you were making me feel heard. You were. She doesn't. I don't feel heard. But I think it's not if, even a safe space in if here. If we could if find you the here. person, like, like Heidi submitted of Romney, if he could actually be serious or find the way to talk about immigration, if we could find a leader who was willing to make the hard choices, I think most of us are in the middle, right? I think we would all just you know, die. But the question we've asked ourselves is the political gauntlet you have to go through, the partisan gauntlet you have to go through to get the top job, sort of, it's not refinement. So we need a sacrificial it's, lamb to, to put just it on the there and say they're going to do the it. the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask this question, and I, I this isn't baked. I don't, we, I always go back to this time of Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill because you had two very different people. But we live in a very different time. We didn't have Twitter back then, so you didn't have yeah. journalists who really expressed their own political opinions to the, to the extent that they do now. If you had this leader you're speaking of, yeah. is there even a space or a conduit of communication where the American people would see leadership being demonstrated? Well, Could I'll, we even get that I'll as add a feedback? To that. Every single great leader in America by social media standards, is so flawed. But they (laughs) didn't have to go through social media picking through their character and, frankly, their poor choices and their family lifestyles and all that. So we have these venerable leaders where, if you read their history, they are deeply flawed people. But we allowed them to just guide us in policy and not bring up the rest of their Charlie Wilson's War. (laughs) 
perfect yeah. example. And here's right. another issue that's just kind of my own campaign, and I don't even know how much this has any legs. But we always talk about when Romney goes away from the political party, he's a centrist, or we meet in the middle. And I don't like this because nobody likes the middle. The middle feels like a it's compromise. Lukewarm. It's lukewarm. It's squishy. I don't think this <laughs> I like is. The middle. I spit it out. <laughs> I don't like the middle. I don't think it is in the middle. I don't think Romney is a centrist. I think Romney is loyal to his conscience, to his country, not to his party. So I think it's a choice between your party and your conscience sometimes. Come on. Nobody is loyal to their party all the time. Greg except is. for both. Of, let me finish this before you jump on me, Greg. Both <laughs> of these parties have these people bound to them completely out of this complete loyalty because it's a fight to the death. Nobody will break from it. They don't all agree before, because before, we've got this dynamic set up. I hate it. Right now, it's loyalty to party over everything, both sides, and it's hurting us. Before it's Greg answers, you should check out Heidi's posting of us afterwards because Greg is wearing his Reagan Bush 84 Oh, yeah, you are. I'm old school. Yeah. There are two C words that I believe that, that Romney is loyal to, but they're not country and conscience. They are corporations and cronies. That's who I think he I think that's the that's where he's been that's that's the cloth he's cut from. I think he is that venture capitalist first, second, third, and fourth. I do. I think that's the world he's operated in. That world's actually nav- navigated well with Republicans and Democrats, as long as they can keep the cash printed and keep things going. I am to a point, and this, and this was where I always was. I was probably very pro-business to the point where I would defend any corporation. I think that big business and big government have merged. I think their interests align. I think they leave out the middle class, the everyday people of this country, in a terrible way. And I do feel that the system's gamed. And I see a guy like Romney, similar to many people that are in Washington right now, where it's that, it's that machinery. It's, it's what they've done for so long. It's what they're doing now. And I think the everyday people are getting left behind. So just a heat check on that. Then. Yeah. The McCain's health care vote. Yeah. That was a conscious vote. I think he hated Trump so much. I don't think he could see through it. I think he could not. So see does that anyone success. ever have a conscious vote? That I has do. Been noble I, I against want it your, to be. your I, side. Well, I, I do think there is an anti-establishment movement in in Washington, but I don't think they have the numbers, the math to, to pass things right now. But I do think that there is that that cynicism that's growing. I think, look, I don't know that there were very many Republicans that would condemn uh, the, the war in the Middle East until now. I think that there's a lot of people now that feel like we got hoodwinked or that are were so beleaguered by this endless war that happened and the, the toll it took on, our, on families in this country and our veterans. I, I think there's a lot of Republicans today that would tell you they feel very differently about defense and engagement overseas. Uh, and it sounds probably like Rocky Anderson did when Bush was doing all this in terms of, but I think that that's where can Republicans and, and people that are, I, I just think there is a shift. I do think there's there's some votes of conscience happening right now, and they're not the traditional positions that Republicans, for my side, have taken before. But we're, I'm coming around to different conclusions now. Good. I think we need mm-hmm. to. I think I think uh, some of us on both sides have to wake up yeah. and and stop the fight to the death of the two parties. One of them destroying the other, and we've got to we've got to keep the country in mind. Well, Ken, you're a good listener. You should come hang out with us more often. <laughs> <laughs> just listen to all sides. Greg feels better. I, I do. He, even if he didn't agree <laughs> with me, it was just so much. Just I just felt, felt like he yeah. heard me. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. It was a safe space with him here, too. You are so much nicer <laughs> with your brother here, putting on an act. Uh-huh. Who's older and who's younger? Are we I'm younger. Now? You're the younger. You're mm-hmm. the baby sister. Mm-hmm. Interesting yeah. dynamic here. I, yeah, he toughened Big brother's me. Here, he, tells you he and his friend Moose toughened me up. That's why tells I, you what's why what. I can fight. I think that's an important thing. Yeah, I do, yeah. too. Being able to get out yeah. in the world and... Kick some trash. Character building on the trampoline. Are we, are yeah. we landing or are you talking special session? Or do we I don't know. Should we talk about that? I was going to ask you because you, you were I know, the one I'm, who have I'm on to the big fights in Vegas, baby. Yeah. yeah. Special What's, session was kind of a snoozer a little bit. Yeah. Well, not wasn't. Devin it was Haney efficient. And, and Lomachenko. Vasali Lomachenko. He used to be world champion. Now Devin Haney is. It's going to be a great fight. At 135 pounds. That means that they. it's not just two giant guys throwing windmills. These guys move around and... Punch and counter I can't punch. watch that, and I don't know so how their moms fun. watch that either. Mm-hmm. Watching I'm your super baby excited. I'm taking my son Holden. All right. Well, do you have anything you'd like to share with us? With uh, the I, think the, I think the special quick? session. Uh, I, I love that they're able to, as a part-time legislature, get in there to get a few things done. I think that the flood uh, assistance. You know, we learned this by the way. The reason you're going to see some more special sessions, especially in state of emergency issues, is after the pandemic, the legislature wants to kind of not let those things be endless and forever. So they want to be able to track it. So there's a shorter time period where a governor can call a state of emergency. So that's good on the flood side. There was a horrific gun bill that was inadvertently passed that should not have been passed. And Heaven that, that, forbid all that anybody language be had to in be, America without that language a gun had to be, at all times. You know, this, you can't even get mad about this one because nobody intended to do what this bill did. It, no, it, was, it, was, it was making criminals out of, literally, it was making going to make a criminal out of every person on a student visa or work visa if they owned or even possessed a firearm, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, which to, is crazy to be in America and not be allowed to own a gun is insane. I can't. You, it's you, crazy. I was so caught off guard. I'm going to go back. Agree with me I on know this you one. were. Greg and I, really I was. spent about 45 minutes arguing about this. Yeah, mm-hmm. last week. I, I missed it. So um, I would do want to give it. I'm going to give a shout out to Mike Schultz, who I think showed a little bit of longitudinal. So the governor made this call, right? But as we all know, the legislature can now call themselves into session. And originally there was a wing that only wanted to give about 30 days on the flood notice. I just liked that the the majority leader said, hey, listen, let's give the governor some ramping here. They gave him until the middle of August, which actually sinks a little bit more with our weather forecast. Because the snow hasn't so melted yet. good for the Republican yeah. caucus for saying, hey, listen, we're not going to make this small ball. We're going to give you yeah. the money and resources yep. that you need. So that was, I think, the best moment of yeah. the special session. Well, it's not the best, but it's a good one. I mean, one. it was a good one, other than making sure that everyone in America at all times everyone that's gone through this weapons. absolute that was nightmare immigration too. process we have in this that country, and they've so actually cute. gone through it legally. The next thing they do, they wake up in the morning, they're doing something illegal they knew nothing about. That was bad. And it, it needed to be corrected. Yeah. And nothing yeah. passed, but I do want to mention we were talking about uh, the labor <laughs> laws because there was crumble cookies, a Kingston oh, yeah. uh, business, and a few others who've oh, been in yeah, trouble for teenagers a... working. And it turns out that Utah law and federal law don't always align. And so what they talked about is that they have to say that whatever's the stricture, that's what you have to abide by. And Heidi, forward. you had included, included a very interesting factoid yes. in which Utah has doubled I know. I the rate of teenagers employed. Until you so it. the nation had 3.7%. Utah's topping out at 7%. So yeah. go with your little fingers working really hard for minimum wage because we... Apparently, no, don't ruin oh, it. That don't ruin it. That wasn't it's, the it's, point. it's creating work <laughs> ethic. And, and, and when you make money, you have some, some self 
you know, determination. You can do things. That we're teaching our young ones to do this. This is a good thing to have young people working. I think working how could is you, good, too. How could you honestly look at that as a bad stat? I can't believe <laughs> I it. Can't, I, said I, I can't works. remember not working. Yeah, we my... Gotta, that's that's right. right. My daughter, who's graduating on Thank Sunday, for, yeah. she works. So why don't you celebrate that and not criticize go. it? Way to go, teenage <laughs> workforce. My 16-year-old works, and how do I know that he has a job? I'm, I'm not home when he comes and goes from said job. But he has a debit card because he has a job. Right. And just things show up on the porch from Amazon. I swear I don't even have to be his parent or buy things from him because he just loves buying stuff and having it show up. So I don't know. I've been working literally, I think, since I was eight years old because that's when you can legally babysit. And by legally, I mean just to the state of Utah, you trust eight-year-olds to babysit. So I've been working since I was eight, and I can't remember anything otherwise. Give me your favorite job before we go that you've ever had. Not a grown-up job, but like a schlepping it teenager job. I worked at a party store back in the day when you could rent DVDs to people. Mm. Do you remember when you go get days. the box yeah. and you'd get the DVD? It was an event. And, um, you mean like Blockbuster? No, it was, it was a local store. Thank you very oh. much. I mean no, no, kind of no! Thing, it was a party store because, like, you did you had DVDs, but then you also did helium balloons and oh, like confetti okay. and crap. And that's the part I liked because even then, you had to reorganize all the little cubbies with all yeah. the little. I love that. You love the organization. I, I did I not hate that. to unpack inventory. Interesting. I know. That's right, something we learn yeah. about Mara. Yeah. Your favorite or worst job when you were a teen? The job I love the most. It's it's easy. It, I was a bellhop for the, at the Sheraton in Pittsburgh. And I made, yeah, I probably had more money. money in my pocket at 18, 17, and 18 years old than I have now. And I, I loved that job. I loved it. I get a high off of getting tips. Sometimes I want to go be a waitress again because heading home with a pocket full of actual dollar bills. And ooh, it, it depends on, I, that job's not automatic. Some people don't tip. Some people did tip. But you actually, the way you provided that service so your actually determined charisma and how work you ethic. got how the mm. kind of tips you got, yeah. Boom. I what did you it. do in your formative years? Well, my favorite one was driving the Miss Springville float at all the Ooh. local uh, <laughs> like parades. I didn't even know this happened. Wow. And then I, you and, got paid for that? And then I married her. Yes, yeah, you did. Ooh, yeah. snap. That's a good job. Yeah. The, fr- the benefits in that job were It paid off. Yeah, I yeah. had to leave hours early driving that float a couple hours down to all the cities all nice. up and down. Did they even post that job? How in the world did you get that job? They did That's not post a lot that of young job. men that were not even clear how I got that job, to tell you the truth. Mm, what about yours? I can't think what my favorite Eight job years is. years old. Um, well, that was babysitting, which I did not like. Um, maybe it's a tie between working at Raging Waters, because that mm. was the place to be when you were a teenager mm-hmm. in the summer, or I cleaned planes for Delta Airlines, and while cleaning the airplanes was not that fun, just sort of being on the tarmac and being there when the planes were taking off. Did you off. find lots of stuff? And did you get People to keep it? People leave a lot of random stuff. And back in the day, they would let you keep most stuff because no one would ever come back for it. So, right. yeah, I had some random did things. Did you get to fly because Pe- you had that job? No. Well, if I would have worked there long enough, but it was one of those jobs between high school and when oh. I started college. So I was there for three months, and you have to work three months, and then you earn benefits. So I think I quit the day before benefits started. But I could have. But that was back before 9-11 where when we cleaned airplanes, we would take a backpack on the plane with us. Nobody did background checks. We'd hang out on the plane. You could sit and have lunch in the cockpit if you wanted. You had free for all. When you think about it, there was absolutely no security. Hmm. And I don't know. (laughs) I was there for the free nuts and grapefruit juice. That's like when I was a little kid. I I used to sit on the armrest when I was little next to my mom when she drove the Plymouth satellite so I could see out the windshield. That's that's just a launch pad, actually, sitting on the armrest. (laughs) But... 
That was back when they still had meals for first class. That's right. And admittedly, we would sometimes just go and see what they didn't eat and eat it, which is really classy of us. But (laughs) when you're hungry and you're out working on the tarmac. I used to make omelets at a Sunday brunch. I like that, too. But I like being a bellhop. All right, kids, it's fine to have a job. Don't let Mara dissuade you. I wasn't. And plus, wasn't. kids these days are making like $15, $20 an hour. There's no such thing as making $7 an hour, is Mm-mm. there anymore? I don't uh, know. Not for, not for Draper kids. No. Well, it's good to be a Draper Trip, kid. <laughs> She's yeah, throwing yeah, she, those Draper, Draper kids soft. She's going after the Draper soft kids because of me. You know, yeah, not, not, none like of the Salt Lake City kids, huh? I like your children. They're all, they're all tough. And, oh, we accept yeah. that we're bougie, Greg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's actually Happy true. Graduation They're to the comfortable Caravellos. in their bougie skin. That's true. Greg, pick your friend. We'll let them come next week. Thanks for being with us, I everybody. Have no okay, that's <laughs> probably true. Oh no, where'd the music go? There it is. <laughs>